Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Welcome to the Feathered Desert podcast. This is Cheryl, and this morning we're going to talk about how do birds survive the winter. And it's called overwintering. And when it comes to the cold, weathery winter weather, that didn't sound right. <laughs> it's cold, but it's wintery, we'll, it's weather. It's good. We'll, we'll just go right past <laughs> Birds have two choices. They could migrate to warmer weather. Doing so means that they leave their homes, their territories, and navigate and negotiate often tremendous distances twice a year. Migration has its dangers as well. And those birds that don't migrate, they choose to stay, they face the dead of winter against seemingly unsurmountable, unsurmountable odds. So, winter birds have a better chance of maintaining their territories year-round, and they avoid the hazards of migration. Birds that stay and wait out the winter weather have to solve two problems at the same time. So here we go, they're multitasking. Yeah. The first is maintaining an elevated body temperature, generally, their body temperatures between 105 to 106 degrees Fahrenheit in order to stay active. The second problem that birds have to solve if they uh, stay in the snowy weather is finding food. And Kirsten is going to talk to us about how they do the temperature thing. All right, so that is always a good question. Superpower. Yes, it is a superpower, actually. <laughs> It'd be nice if we kind of had this superpower. But uh, when I lived in Maryland, it was always a question, too, um, because we got snow there that would sit there for weeks at a time, and, and I could see all my birds outside, which I did feed them during the cold weather. But it was always a question, how come they don't leave? But like Cheryl said, they have two different ways to deal with winter. So how birds maintain their temperature in cold weather is a very good question. Birds are warm-blooded, so to make enough heat and maintain it, birds have evolved different strategies. So some birds, like uh, many different types of sparrows, will actually seek out shelter in dense foliage or cavities to avoid the elements. That seems like the way I would deal with it, <laughs> just get in the shelter and avoid it. So maybe I'm a sparrow in my <laughs> bird life. Um, they're also, birds will huddle together, so they'll bunch together to share warmth and they'll try to minimize their total surface area by tucking their heads down and have their feet covered up um, by their feathers. And um, actually that's one of our locals here, Inca doves, will do that. Yes. When it gets cold, they do a pyramiding, which I would love to see that. I would actually love to see these little doves pyramid. And uh, then they rotate. Uh, like if any of you have seen the the shows about penguins on TV when they're in um, Antarctica and they are um, breeding, they rotate through. And so, so you start in the middle and then you rotate to the outside. The Inca doves do the exact same thing. I've never actually seen them stack. I've seen my Inca doves in a pyramid, but I've never actually seen actually them stack. Actually seen them stack? Now, stack see, that's well. that's what you need to see. That's the part <laughs> that you, you want to watch and be amazed that they can uh, do that. I think I'd be a huddler. <laughs> that's true. A huddler, yeah. I don't know. I have to be still super close to my neighbor. I don't know how it would work for me. I like huddling down in, in, in the foliage. Um, okay. So birds such as Abert's towhees, morning doves, or Inca doves as well, and other birds, they actually puff up into the shape of a little round fuzzball. Uh, and that helps them minimize their heat loss. They use the feathers under there, the down, to actually insulate. That's why in really cold weather, we wear down jackets 
that have those downy feathers inside the jackets. My gosh, you can sweat yourself in, into losing a couple pounds wearing that thing in the wintertime. Another adaptation shared by many bird species is the ability to keep warm blood circulating near vital organs, such as your heart, your brain, while allowing your extremities to cool. So it, uh, it brings new meaning to cold feet. Yes. Um, <laughs> so they allow their feet to get cooler and sometimes the wings as well. Um, this is something that gulls use a lot. So that's why gulls can actually stand on ice with their feet exposed in near freezing temperatures because they're not exactly feeling the freezing temperature. They of course keep enough running into their legs to make sure that they don't get frostbite and their feet like freeze off, but they can slow that down and keep most of the warm stuff in the middle of their body. Uh, some birds like Canada geese put on insulation uh, by growing an extra set of insulating downy feathers. That also seems like something I might wanna do too. Yeah. Do that and use the foliage. Yes. <laughs> that extra insulation. Right. I like the puffing up thing. Yeah, the puffing up is, it makes you look really cute. There's that famous picture of that um, Eastern bluebird. It's all puffed up and they call it the angry bird. But it was just a really cold day. <laughs> it does look a little annoyed that it's that cold though. Um, and then birds will also shiver. And we also do the same thing, but the way they shiver is different than the way mammals shiver to generate heat. Birds actually shiver by activating opposite muscle groups, creating muscle contractions without all of the out external jiggling like we do. And this form of shaking is actually better at retaining the bird's heat. Isn't that, it's, it's so fascinating. It really is amazing the way nature has dealt with keeping everything healthy and functioning well within the circle of life. Yeah. So our other issue is finding food in winter weather. And Cheryl's going to tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So once you, if you're warm and you're keeping yourself warm, you also need to eat, right? So finding food in winter weather. Birds can also put on fat as both an insulator and an energy source. More than 10% of a winter body weight of a bird may be fat in certain bird species, such as finches. As a result, some birds spend the vast majority of daylight hours seeking fatty food sources, maximize calories ingested while minimizing calories spent. Right. That's, <clears throat> that's what birds do. So birds that are usually seed eaters in the winter will forage for spiders, spiders' eggs, insects, and their pupae, caterpillars overwintering under leaves or under tree bark. Birds such as blue jays and woodpeckers and nuthatches put food away for a snowy day. And some birds, like the American robin, is, I totally went down a rabbit hole with this one, <laughs> change their diet, but not only just change their diet, but they have to transition their digestive system yeah. to this change. So they transition from protein-rich invertebrates to winter fruits and berries. So that's just... Crazy. So they go through like a little metamorphosis in their... In, in, intestines in their digestive system in order to make that diet change. Yeah, it's really amazing. So birds are prepared. And Kirsten's going to talk about the nighttime. Yes, yeah, staying warm at night. This is um, everybody's yes. predicament, yes, really. They don't have fuzzy socks. They don't have fuzzy socks. <laughs> There's no heating blankets. <laughs> so keeping warm when the sun is up is one thing, but the more daunting challenge is when night falls. Temperatures drop and birds rely on every adaptation they have to survive in their sleep. So some birds save energy by allowing their internal thermostat to drop. Hummingbirds are a well-known example of this. They undergo what is called torpor nightly. 
as their body temperature drops close to the outside temperatures. Uh, this is not common in wintering birds because uh, or other types of birds because the warm-up would take too much extra energy. So if you're a bird that stays over in a place where it is cold, it's not common to do this because you might end up not making it, waking up in the morning. You've got to have a lot of energy to be able to wake up. So other birds, uh, such as chickadees, which are non-migrators, they usually stay wherever it is they were born and they tough it out through the winter. They undergo a more moderate version of torpor and they can reduce their body temperature to as much as 22 degrees Fahrenheit from their daytime level. So that's quite a drop there. Yeah. And this process is called regulated hypothermia. And that helps them to survive. They don't go all the way down to almost outside temperatures like the hummingbirds do because these poor little chickadees, they just don't get enough in their diet during the day. They might not be able to, to successfully wake up the next day. So this was an interesting fact. No small birds in the United States or Southern Canada den in the snow overnight, in the snow overnight, because the potential of being frozen beneath the snow is too high. So you see in all those... Um, survive the winter type things for humans. They're like, yeah. build a nest that you can use your body heat. Birds can't really do that. So, and they're so small, they wouldn't be generating that much heat in there. So they might accidentally freeze to death in there. So definitely, if you are a bird listening to this, do not build. <laughs> no igloos for you. No igloos, no little <laughs> snow caves. Just get some food, get under some shrubs, and you'll be okay. All right, so one of the things that a lot of people ask us as well when they come into the WBU Mesa store is how do we help them during the wintertime? And Cheryl's going to tell yes. us a little bit about how to do that. Yes, so how can we support our birds as uh, to help them live through the colder temperatures? Now, I know it rarely snows in the Phoenix Valley. I've actually lived long here long enough to know that it snowed twice, <laughs> but it was at Easter time both times. But um, anyway, it does get cold and it's been a little chilly. So how do we help our birds handle the 30s and the 40s? So at our WB Mesa, uh, Mesa store, we have um, products that are no-melt doughs. So you can provide no-melt dough in, a, in several different forms. A no-melt dough is a high-energy, high-calorie um, food. And um, especially for insect eaters, yeah. When insects are like almost nil when it's that cold, um, it really helps them to um, get some food and keep their energy up, uh, as well as provide that little extra for the smaller birds like our house finches. Yeah, it's like a little power bar for birds. Yeah. So you can provide seed blends with high calorie, high protein seeds, such as uh, Choice Plus, roasted peanuts, oil, sunflower seeds, and safflower seeds. Um, those are all things that help um put on weight and high calorie so it helps with the high energy needs of the nighttime and for insect eating birds as well as the no melt dough have mealworms on hand yeah i have a little bowl of mealworms that sits out in my backyard and my curb bill thrashers my abert's tohis and now i have mockingbirds that will um do somersaults to get <laughs> these um mealworms and it's fun to watch. Also, always offer clean water in a bird bath because here in Arizona, water is always an issue, um, whether it's whatever season it is. Right. And um, try um, incorporating low shrubs and trees that help the bird shelter in place because most of our 
overwintering birds don't sit high up in the trees. Right. They're lower um, to the ground. Yeah, around our house, we have a lot of jojobas that are growing, and they grow right from the ground all the way up. And if you don't have to worry about grass, I mean, we have all dirt everywhere, then you don't have to worry about the grass underneath that bush getting any light. But it, it does help. Uh, we've got a lot of quail out in that area and um, some towhees and stuff that hang out with us. And it helps that to grow right from the ground all the way up. And that gives them that place to hunker down when it's cold. Yeah, my, ho my house finches are in my shrubs. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, the verdin. And also, a note on this. If you do provide this high-calorie, high-protein seed mixes and whatnot don't be surprised that you're gonna get more birds eating a little faster in the yeah. winter time yeah it's gonna feel like my gosh they're eating me out of house and home but it's because they're trying to put on as much weight as they can and they are using they're still using your stuff as a supplement so if it comes to that time where you're like well i can't continue to feed then they can find other food but yeah they're gonna be eating a lot more of it because they want to put a little more fat on during the winter time yes yes and Kirsten has our plant spotlight. Yes, this one was, I was very excited about this. I've never heard this one, but I'm going to have to look into getting some of this for my house because it's called quail bush. How cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a native alternative to oleander, and I know you hate oleander. Yes, I am certainly not a fan of oleander in this area because it's not native at all to this continent. So awesome. A native alternative to oleander is very cool. It is a fast-growing rounded shrub. This one can get pretty big, so 8 feet tall and 12 feet wide. Um, so you want to make sure you are putting this in a place that would work perfectly. But this quail bush sounds like it would be perfect for overwintering birds. Mm -hmm. And it does have a blue-gray leaf, um, which is, I think, very pretty to get a little bit of that blue color in, in a lot of our plants out here. A lot of them are green, which is great. That's what they need. But uh, a, a slightly different color on the leaf is really pretty for a difference in your garden. And they have a variable shape offset cluster. So they don't, they're not right next to each other on the stem. They, no. They're offset, um, which is, I like, I like that pattern a lot. And they have tiny greenish flowers that appear in late winter uh, through the spring. So it's actually really nice. A late winter uh, bloom, which is great uh, to have there for um, when our native bees are starting to wake up towards the end of winter, beginning of spring. And the fruit and seeds attract birds. Well, that's excellent. It's perfect. And quail bush grows in most soils and can be used for screening. Yeah, if it gets 12 feet wide and 8 yeah. feet tall, it's a perfect that's screening That's what I thought. Bush. You know, most people use oleander for screening. Yeah. So I thought, you know, well, this is yeah, a this nice is, alternative. Yeah, much, much nicer not alternative. Toxic. It's not toxic because oleander, everything on it is toxic. Even the bees don't use the pollen because it's toxic. And this also is uh, the quail bush needs minimal water, which is great because we live in a desert. So that sounds like a winner to me. So next time you guys go to a, a plant sale somewhere, look for quail bush or ask your local uh, nursery about it. All right. Well, that's a little update on how birds survive the winter. So hopefully you guys are surviving the winter as well.